My mother was a woman of tremendous integrity. My mother was curious, sensitive, compassionate, honest, always there for us, unflappable, loyal, complicated. She is devoted, resilient, dazzling, giving, vivacious, extraordinary. The aha moment for me was when I heard about the NASA, and I said, "Wait, wait hold, hold, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, excuse me. I think I heard you say you worked for NASA." And she said, "Oh yeah, I did the, the Saturn V rocket and worked on the hotspot." I said, "I'm sorry." We're going to have to sit down and talk about this because you can't just say that like I need a bottle of milk out of the refrigerator. You can't do me like that. Ask Mama, she'll know what to do. I'm Katie Hafner, and this is Our Mothers Ourselves. Sometimes you just can't get enough of a good thing. I have felt that way for the entire six months that we at Lost Women of Science spent working on our season about Y.Y. Clark. The very first time I heard Y.Y.'s voice, I was smitten. We would make planes, we'd build planes, you would go out on the fire skate, roll your propeller, and then aim it at the football field and watch it fly. So that's kind of where the whole spark mm-hmm. was the spark was began. Yes. That's from a StoryCorps interview she did in 2007 with her daughter, Carol Lawson, when YY was 78. And hearing the mother-daughter interaction really did make me think, what kind of mother was the brilliant, unflappable Yvonne Young-Clark? Carol Lawson is a pharmaceutical rep, and she lives outside of Seattle. We recorded this interview a few weeks ago. Carol Lawson, thank you so much for coming on to Our Mothers Ourselves to talk to me about your amazing mother, Y.Y. Clark. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. I am just thrilled to be able to have this conversation with you. I'm just thrilled to death. So the very first thing I want to do is, uh, so I ask pretty much every guest, if you were to describe your mother using one word, what would that word be? I've thought about this a lot, and I think um, the word I would use is trailblazer. I think it really just encapsulates her her legacy and all the things that she's accomplished. Yeah, I I will second that. I think that now that I feel like I know her after a full season, but this this segment is really about her as a mom. But before we talk about that, I want to do kind of a a rapid-fire biography of her. I'm assuming people who listen to this will have heard the story of your mom's life, but let's start out and and do it as quickly as we can, like all the highlights. Born. Sure. Born in... 1929, uh, April 13th, in Houston, Texas, and mother was Hortense Houston, Young and father was uh, C. Milton or Coleman Milton Young. Um, They moved to Louisville and she had a brother, C. Milton Young III, and lived there um, until she got married and um, married my father and then since moved to Nashville. She was uh, granted admission to University of Louisville 
in there uh, for um, engineering, an engineering degree. Mm -hmm. However, um, as soon as they found out that she was black, they rescinded the offer. And um, because her parents were um, educated enough to understand that that was, you know, uh, a violation of her civil rights, they uh, kind of balked at that and threatened to take this school to to court and were able to come to a resolution that they the school would pay for her to go to another school. So um, she ended up matriculating at Howard University. Mm -hmm. Um, While at Howard, she was the only black female in the mechanical engineering department. Howard is a historically black university, Mm -hmm. but she was the only female to graduate in a class of um, 300 Mm. engineering students. Mm -hmm. Um, But because of the sexism of the day, she wasn't allowed to march with the rest of the class. So she actually received her diploma in the office of the president. That was in 1951. And it it just goes on and on and on. I mean, Mm -hmm. she was the first black female to get a degree in engineering science at Vanderbilt University. First African-American member of the Society of Women Engineers, worked with the uh, aerospace engineers um, and NASA Marshall Space Flight Center um, and, and on the Saturn V rocket booster en- engines. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just on and on. And, I, 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 you know, it, it gets it gets a little redundant. But it's, you want to say it all, but yeah. it's so amazing, so much that she did in one lifetime, in one lifetime. And she just kept on going. While she was in this classic double bind, meaning both right. sexism and racism, staring like straight in the face of these things. So she marries your dad. How did she meet your dad, by the way? Yeah, so they met um, a, a friend of moms, and it actually might have been a relative, I'm not sure, um, mentioned dad to her. And she came up to Nashville for a football game, and he was there, and they met. And dad was quite striking, and um, she knew that there would be a lot of interest. He he would have a lot of suitors um, interested in him. Not that she didn't think she had a chance, but she knew, you know, the his 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 card would be full. Mm-hmm. And so she, um, I don't remember all of the specific details, but. I think she told her friend to let him know when she would be back in town again. Mm -hmm. And it so happened, um, long story short, he sent her six roses, I think, and said, you'll get the next six when you come back. Oh, that is so sweet. Yeah. So sweet. And so he, and, but it's, it also sounds like he was not just romantic, but super supportive of her career. Is that right? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I believe that the, the real benefit from speaking about the trials, the struggles, the things that the women had to overcome to do all that they did helps make them more real Mm -hmm. to those of us looking at all their accomplishments. Mm -hmm. Okay, because if you look at my mom and all of her accomplishments, she looks like a superwoman. Like, I can do everything and anything and nothing can stop me. 
But if you peel back that those like a, the layer of an onion and look underneath, you see that she suffered with stuttering. Mm-hmm. Okay, and 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 if you know anyone anyone who's ever stuttered yeah. in your in, in, just even in passing, painful. It is painful. Yeah. It is, it is the most, I mean, it, from my perspective, obviously loving someone who has been a stutterer and seeing how people treat them, mm-hmm. it is just appalling the, the, how, how the worst of us comes out. Then understanding, you know, just the amount of grit it takes to overcome that and keep pushing and not letting it pull you down. Mm-hmm. I think that speaks to helping the rest of us who, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I don't mean to, you know, dismiss any troubles anybody goes through, but we get a, a, a thumbnail, you know, prick and we're ready to buckle. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> Versus, you know, some of the things they've had to endure. And like, wow, if she could do that mm-hmm. through all of those troubles, maybe I can endure. Yeah. Look, it's not going to be easy, but you still have to per- persevere. What is your very first memory of your mother? One of the things that uh, sticks in my mind is um, my mom had a 69 Firebird, which she was very proud of. And it was a it was a convertible and it was a really very, very cool car. Everyone wanted to see the Firebird. <laughs> and so <laughs> when they came by and um, she was outside and one of the fellas said, you know, so I'm, I'm assuming you've changed the oil in this. And she said, well, you know, I did. Um, you know, last last month I did. And um, I was like, in my brain, I was like, wow, you did? How old, really? were, how old were you? Do you remember? And so I was, um, I was seven, eight, nine, oh. somewhere in there, old enough to understand what, you know, getting dirty around a car would entail as far mm-hmm. as, you know, changing the oil. But not realizing that that was not something that every mother did. Mm-hmm. And understanding that from that point, fast forwarding, you know, 10, 15 years when I have my own car now and knowing you're going to know how to change your oil. You're going to know, you know, how to change a tire or at least have the tools available to change a tire if you need to. And your emergency kit's going to be in the back of the car because you're going to understand the mechanics of this car. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just funny. She she was such a car person. Um, she had driving gloves. I mean, <laughs> she was just that chick who if you know if if a race car driving was an option for her generation i think she probably would have been one of those (laughs) that would have been in her repertoire as well and she did all the driving in the family right? all the driving that is just i love that um i know right (laughs) and and your dad didn't feel emasculated or diminished in any way just probably proud just proud Oh, absolutely and 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 that was the guy he was because um his father was not excited at all about um, mom's uh, right. career. Right, path. right. Um, they had a big falling out. Your your dad they, and his dad, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, his dad was a, a physician and um, prominent in the Houston. It was it was a big deal for him to kind of you know say you know what dad this is who I love so I'm gonna be with so you know. And what what you're grandfather, what your father's father objected to was that your mother was so ambitious, right? Correct. In, wow. a, in a male, exactly. He, her, his opinion right. was a, women, a woman's place is in the house. 
how would you characterize the way your mom and your dad interacted or got along? And were they a good role model of a of a of a good marriage? Yeah, so I would say absolutely um, a, a, a a dynamic of um, teamwork. They were past their excuse me. They were older parents for me, so um, they. I, I, I say this lovingly, but um, I think Milton had all my brother had all the fun with them, and not that that we didn't have fun. Please don't 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 let me you know lead you down that path. But I was. Um, she, she reminded me, um, on a couple of occasions, you do know, um, we had added onto the house, bought a new car, um, and then you showed up. And so, you know, it, and, <laughs> and there's an 11 year gap between me and my oh, brother. Uh-huh. So yeah, so they had figured out we're not going to have any more kids. Oops. <laughs> and then I came, I was like, well, better late than never, right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So um, they were um, definitely um, professors. So they talked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they worked through problems. They, <clears throat> you know, basically worked as a team to walk walk through things. And you know, as a teenager, you know, growing up in a household with professors, um, I, I, I didn't have the patience to, you know, tune in to a whole lot of these conversations. So um, a lot of that went right over my head. But I do recognize the civility Mm. with which those conversations took place Mm. and the fact that it was always around how can we work this out. But Mm -hmm. mom was really the driving force on they had bought the houses behind our house and they um, owned them and, and rented them out to students at Tennessee State University. And so a lot of things revolved around those houses. So it was, you know, do we need to fix this? Mm -hmm. Do we need to, you know, get a new tenant? All those things that go along with having. Right. And your mom did all the, she could fix anything, right? Fix anything. Going back to a very young age when she fixed the family toaster when she was nine. We interviewed someone who was a colleague of hers who said that actually your parents they were her landlord and she lived next door and she uh and she said that uh yy would be over all the time with her toolbox just she could anything that needed fixing she could fix which is i mean she was fearless in that in that regard i don't know if um you know uh heavy duty plumbing was in her repertoire but electrical obviously mechanical um yeah hvac yeah She's like, I got this. And what you, I think, have said before is that she Mm -hmm. was strict about homework and particularly your penmanship. Penmanship. (laughs) Right, right. What 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 was the problem and what was the solution? So um, I think her hope was that um, I would take well, her, her, her request was for me to take mechanical drawing. And I did in high school. And I think the hope behind that was I would get a little fire about, you know, getting into mechanical engineering somehow. Mm. However, that side of my brain is not 
active. Okay, mm-hmm. It just doesn't work like no. that. So it didn't happen. But I did have poor penmanship. Um, I went to a Catholic school. And I don't know if you know this, but in, in the school I went to, when you did anything wrong, um, you had to do write-offs. So I learned mm-hmm. to write very fast. Mm-hmm. And the downside of that is my penmanship suffered. And um, so she saw that, you know, she's like, oh, we got to fix this. And interestingly enough, this goes back to her upbringing because in her world, penmanship was a huge deal mm-hmm. because when she was when she was starting school, she was left handed and the um, nuns made saw that she wrote left handed and made her switch her hands to right handed. Mm-hmm. Well, that whole thing is what started her to stuttering. Mm. Which started the whole path of, you know, all of the uh, teasing and everything from her classmates and everything like that. So to her, penmanship was a big deal. So for me to have poor penmanship was a big deal. And I didn't know any of that. And so now I'm very clear on why she was so Mm -hmm. adamant that my penmanship got better. And from this day and until her last breath, anytime I wrote anything, she's like, is that an M or N? What is what is that? And I was like, it's an M. Of course, it's an M. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> yeah. And, and she was joking, obviously, right. because, you know, she knew that that boat had long passed. But, you know, it's very interesting how that episode so early in her life actually, you know, put her on the trajectory that it did. She would take mm-hmm. you to work with her sometimes right absolutely and and they and they both did actually um and I, I i believe i benefited from that because i was actually able to see them outside of just being mom and dad mm-hmm. which i think is helpful for any child um because you get all wrapped up in the cocoon of it's all about me as a child and once you break out of that and see your parent as a function or a, a, a member of society and serving the greater good and beholden to other individuals who have nothing to do with you and the impact that they make on those individuals, it just shifts your focus a little bit and say, mm-hmm. hmm, wow. And I promise you that did so much for me. Because of all of these students. And I saw how she dealt with them. I saw how they asked her questions. I saw, I mean, they were, I mean, they loved her. I could tell that. They come in her office, Miss Clark, I've got this thing, a blah, 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 whatever, my, my, my paper, my other teacher, my professor, my student loan, what am I going to do? And she would say, okay, stop that. So just calm down. Here's some tissue. Here's a box of tissue. Stop crying. I can't hear. I can't understand you. Relax. And I'm like, Wow. Mm. Wow. But she didn't go all soft on them. It never. Mm-hmm. Never. Mm-hmm. Never. And 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 it but she still you still felt the compassion. Mm-hmm. That was her superpower, I think. She would never get down there in the emotions with you, but you still felt her compassion. And was that true? Was she that way as a parent as well? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I remember I had a breakup one time and I, and because of the parent she was, I did not, I knew better than to bring any dummies home. <laughs> 
Um, because I knew they'd get sliced up and sent right back out the door. Um, no stupid boyfriends. Right, exactly. <laughs> but um, I did have a couple breakups, and um, I remember one, and uh, it, it, it actually had just happened, and I had just gotten home, and she walked in, and she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> and she's like, well, um, that's not right. So she, she got the box of tissues and she's like, what's wrong, honey? And I was like, it's over. She's oh. like, well, are you sure it's over? And I was like, I think so. And, and, and in the end, it wasn't over. But she helped me kind of talk through it. And it was a it was a lovely memory. Mm. And it was it's one of those things of, you know, wow, I could have leaned on you a little bit more with these little breakups. But, you know, I'm glad I I did at least once. Mm. (laughs) And so how would you say she shaped you as a as a person? I'm so glad you asked that, because um, my daughter um, has said to me a couple times, and I, I think I definitely agree that I am relentlessly positive. And I know 110% that I get that from my mom. Mm. Because what I saw in her, or what she just exemplified, was there's always a way. It might not be evident. It might not be right there in front of your face. But there's always a way. And if you take, if you, if you just take the time to either sit back, think, have some patience, either get some counseling, somebody else who either has better knowledge of the situation or take it from a different approach, there is a way. Mm-hmm. And I think that right there has grounded me in the fact that just because I can't see a way out, can't see a way in, can't see a way through right this second does not mean that there's not a way through this situation into what I want. And um, from that from that perspective, I believe there's nothing I can't do. And and that's just where I sit Mm -hmm. all the time. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. And how aware were you as you were growing up what she did and how unusual it was? Oh my gosh, I was oblivious. Oblivious. Wait, but you would watch, but you would watch the the Apollo launches. No, right? no oh no, 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 you no, were too no. young. That's right. I you had were no idea. It was done by the time. Right. It was your brother who did that. Exactly. That's right. Because so, and and when you listen to Lost Women in Science, I think it was episode three. Right. That's what they, you know, that was my brother that was sitting there. I mean, I would have been first place. Let's just say if I had have been there, I would have been on the moon. I would have been just the side, so to speak. I would have been beside myself with excitement. Yeah. Okay. Because when I went to school, I went to school um, as an astrophysics major. So it's in my blood. I, I got I got that part of the gene. But um, yeah, I would have been just through the moon. But yeah, that was all done by the time I showed up. So she didn't talk. I mean, she she no, she didn't talk about it. She didn't even talk about it. So I didn't even learn about any of this until my 20s. And then it started trickling out. The aha moment for me was when I heard about the NASA. And I was like, wait a minute, hold, hold, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, excuse me. I think I heard you say you worked for NASA. And she go, oh, yeah, I, I did the the Saturn V um, 
rocket and worked on the hot spots. I said, I'm sorry. We're going to have to sit down and talk about this because you can't just say that like I need a bottle of milk out of the refrigerator. You can't do me like that. This is amazing. How can you not share this with me? And she's like, and in her mind, it was, it was just another, you know, it, it was her job. It was what she did. And she was just that humble. Well, when you interviewed her for StoryCorps, when was that? It was it was the SWE it was the SWE conference. So the Society of Women Engineers, for those who don't know, and you, and this was StoryCorps that you did. Uh, Correct. Uh huh. So um, it was closer to twenty ten. That was just wonderful because um, they were honoring her because, like I said, she integrated them. Mm -hmm. And then they were honoring the uh, or it was on the anniversary of their um, conference they had in Houston. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their national conference was in Houston and uh, Houston was still segregated and they had it at a hotel that was segregated. In 1956, seven. Yeah. Something like that. Sounds about right. And yeah. so, anywho, she, um, they were going to pull the conference because they were like, we're not going to have a conference where all of our members aren't welcome. So the hotel wouldn't let her, wouldn't let her stay there. Wouldn't right? let her stay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And mom was like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to, we're going to figure this out. We're, we're not going to cancel, you know, a national conference on account of me. And was that so the, they, was that the first time that you heard that story when you were interviewing her? Or did you know it before that? I, I, think I knew it. I think mm-hmm. I knew of it. I didn't know all the details, um, but I, I did know of the story. Um, but long story short, she was, they were able to come to a compromise where she basically was escorted. The hotel said that she can, she can come to your conference. She just can't stay here. Luckily, mom was from Houston. So my aunt Constance um, lived there um, in a lovely home on Bayou Street. And um, so she stayed there overnight and then was, you know, dr- driven back and forth. But while at the conference, she was escorted mm. everywhere. Yeah. She went to, she she was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And they, they just made a, you know, made a fun thing out of it. Yvonne, I need to go get some cigarettes. Come with me. And so she was just paraded throughout the place so that they recognized that, you know, we are here and I am here and you're not mm-hmm. going to hide me. Mm-hmm. Tell me about her last years and and yeah. the the last conversations you had with her. Yeah, so um, she, uh, you know, God has His plan, and He's got a He's always has the best plan. So you know, we had a home that we had, I guess, for forever had planned for her to come stay with us, and she never did. She was like, "I'm fine, I'm good," because obviously she's super independent. And she fell and broke her wrist, so she couldn't drive. Mm. And so we said, hey, got room for you. Come on. We got you covered. And so this was um, three years before she passed. And she um, was, it was, it was priceless. Uh, Let me just put it like that. The time we were there, she was there with us interacted with the entire family. She was just part of everything we did, which was amazing because otherwise she wouldn't have been because it just would have been an extra step that everyone would have had to take. And she would not have, it just wouldn't have flowed nearly as easily. Mm -hmm. So that was a blessing on top of the fact that I was able to feel like I was able to do everything I could for her 
all the way to the end. Mm. And um, the last thing I remember her saying to me was, you know, I think that there's just still so much I still have to do. Mm. And I was like, Mom, no, 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 you rest. You just rest. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. And um, And I think that was her last lucid conversation with me. Oh, wow. So she, you know, for someone Mm -hmm. as kind of pragmatic as she was, and matter of fact, she was driven. 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 Yeah. And I will say, though, um, we were able, because she did get ill, she did get ill um, nearer to the end, and um, the doctor, he thought that she had some fluid on her lungs, and um, he's like, you know, I don't think you're going to have much longer. And so I did have that heads up. And we were really wanting to celebrate her 90th birthday. Well, this was in January. Mm -hmm. So we were like, we're not going to make it. She wasn't going to make it to April Mm -hmm. 13th, which was her birthday. So we were able to pull together um, a little surprise birthday party for her in a week. And um, I promise you, our house was full of students of hers, friends, Family relatives that were close by. I mean, I, we had folks driving in from Georgia. Um, a lady flew in from Arizona. I mean, these folks loved this woman. Those students were coming back mm-hmm. and saying, hey, we love you. Thank you for everything you did for us. Here's where we are now. Here's what we're doing now. You know, thank you, thank you, thank you. It was it was so wonderful to be able to give her her flowers before mm-hmm. she passed. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful day. So that's one of my most, most proudest moments to be able to pull that off for her. Wow. Yep. What a gift. What a gift you gave her. Yeah. Well, what have I forgotten anything? Um. One of her, one of the things she was super proud of was her granddaughter. I can't mm. walk out of here without talking about her. Whose name is her grandson? Uh huh. uh, Paris. Paris Lawson Mm -hmm. is her. Paris Nicole is her granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 connection there was um, mom played basketball and Paris played basketball. And um, she just loved the fact that Paris played basketball. And she played um, at Belmont. She was on she was a scholarship point guard at Belmont. And so Belmont played TSU. Oh, so really? mom was able to see Paris play at TSU. And um, she was just beside herself with that game and, and was like, you know what, that, that girl, that girl's mm-hmm. good. She's going to, she's going to go places. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, she, she, she's got the genes. She'll be fine. So She'll be fine. The next generation. Oh yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I think, I think it has a lot to do with, you know, her parents. I mean, mm-hmm. her parents were there. And I mean, like I said, you know, the struggles help explain how these people potentially pushed through to do their science and otherwise they wouldn't be doing it. So we wouldn't even be talking about them in the first place. Yeah. And maybe we can too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, Carol, Lawson, mm-hmm. I would like to thank you so much for coming on to Our Mothers Ourselves. And this has been tremendous fun. Same here. I just want to thank you for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to share a little bit more about um, 
my mom, my wife's um, story and life and legacy, because um, this has just been, this is my, my heart is singing. Ask mama, she'll know what to do. That's it this time for Our Mothers Ourselves. Our theme music is composed and performed by Andrea Perry. Paula Manjin is our artist in residence. And special thanks this week to Ashraya Gupta. Please look for more episodes and contribute to our Mother Word Cloud at OurMothersOurselves.com. That's OurMothersOurselves.com. Our Mothers Ourselves is a production of Odredeck Studios in San Francisco. I'm Katie Hafner. See you next time. <laughs>